Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. The sun is shining in Sydney. Spring has sprung. We're now in daylight saving time, so the days feel longer and summer is coming. It's a reminder of long afternoons in France and Spain, wandering into town, the name of which you can't pronounce, spotting a few pilgrims sunning themselves on the front lawn of an albergue, wandering in and finding yourself a bed. In no time you've showered, washed your walking clothes, and you're looking for somewhere to while away the afternoon. Inevitably, you'll run into someone you met on the Camino that day or days before. You'll get to talking and hearing about their plans, your plans, where you are headed and where you've been. And the sun never seems to set in Spain. Indeed, the Spanish themselves don't seem to want to emerge until the sun sets. The world watches while the Spanish linger at home until late and then swarm onto the streets when most pilgrims are heading home for curfew. I mentioned last week I found my old Camino notebook. I wrote three words inside the front cover, separated by oblique lines. Body, mind, spirit. On one of those long Spanish afternoons, in Arges, I think, I sat with an American pilgrim, Ian, and he explained to me the philosophy of the Camino Francais in three stages. The first stage from St. Jean-Pied-de-Port to Burgos and the start of the Meseta is about physical conditioning. Your body needs to become accustomed to the journey. The second is the meseta, often described as difficult, boring and soul-destroying. Well, I like to think of it as challenging, challenging you to dig deep, to try to find the reason or reasons for your journey, your pilgrimage. And once you step off the meseta and make the journey into Galicia, you enter stage three, a new beginning, a renewed spiritual awareness. The body, the mind the spirit. Now, I didn't write those three words in my notebook after meeting Ian in Arges. I wrote them before I left Sydney. And I can't help feeling that those three words are front and centre in 2020, keeping the body active, trying to stay as calm as possible in terms of emotions and fears, and our collective spirit reaching out to keep one another assured. Our pilgrimage can come to us and lead us in so many ways. How lucky we are to be able to walk, to talk, and to continue our journey together. My quote this week is attributed to the Chinese philosopher Confucius. Wheresoever you go, go with all your heart. My guest this week is from Wisconsin in the United States. Jackie Rubendor Brookett and I have talked often via social media. We share a love of the Camino, pilgrims, pilgrimage, body, mind, and spirit. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Happy to be here. Yeah. Before we talk about your journey, let me ask you for a favorite place on the Camino, somewhere you think back and go, I'd love to be back there. Oh, gosh. I knew you were going to ask that. Um, Mm. That's such a hard question. Um, You know, one of my favorite places um, with one of the most joyful memories, I guess, was in Acebo after walking down from the Cruz de Ferro. Yeah. Um, that was a, a very heavy emotional day. And when um, I arrived in Acebo, I ran into a, a bunch of pilgrim friends that, and, and family that we had gotten to know closely. And we had the most delightful, memorable evening at that um, albergue at the edge of town that yeah. feels a little bit more like a resort than a, yeah. than a traditional albergue. And um, 
we had uh, mojitos at sunset and sang songs and watched the sun go down. And it, it was just a, a magical, fabulous night. So that that's one place. But gosh, there are so many that you know we, we could all think of. It's hard to hard to choose. Kind of like picking your favorite kid. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard to choose. But when you think back, you know. It- each town or each village has a, its own little story and a, its own little place in your heart. Why do you think you were drawn to pilgrimage? Wow. You know, I, I thought about that question a lot. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that when I look back at my life and the things that I've been interested in throughout, you know, from my childhood all the way up to this point, it all kind of makes sense to me. I was always interested in traveling um, as a child. I wanted to do like semester abroad when I was like a 10 year old <laughs> over to Europe somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a minor in college in outdoor education um, where my classes were backpacking and camping and all those outdoor things. And I've also always been a very spiritual person. So I guess all of those things kind of fit together with the essence of pilgrimage. But it wasn't until um, 2018 when the Camino in particular came in mind. Um, I'd been to Europe actually like three times prior to that and had never heard of the Camino. But I was um, going through a very tough season of parenthood, I guess, actually for a few years. And it was one of those things when uh, I really believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I was going through my DVD collections. I was trying to do some decluttering and cleaning out of my house. And I came across this movie that was still wrapped up in plastic. It had never been opened. Um, you know, the kind of the, the cliche Camino movie, The Way. <laughs> yeah. And I don't even remember buying it or I don't wow. remember anybody giving it to me. Oh, but wow. there it was. Yeah. I know. And it, it, it had come out in 2018 or 2011, I think, was when it was uh, originally produced. And so I don't know how long it had been stuck in the back of my DVD collection, but I had some time that day and I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and watch it right now. And I did. And I was, you know, one of those people, I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people that you you finish watching and you're like, I'm doing that. I'm so doing that. (laughs) And it was uh, kind of the beginning of the journey of learning about pilgrimage and the Camino. And I became an addict pretty quick. I I found your podcast shortly after that. And I started uh, writing journals, um, keeping notes. Um, I think I, you know, I mean, not to... uh, (laughs) Um, embarrass myself too much, but I think I've got like four like journals full of um, quotes and um, notes from the different podcasts that you've hosted with your guests, things that inspired me and t- taught me and kind of prepared my heart and my mind and my thinking for what I, I knew I was going to do. Um, the Camino just, it was like calling to me this universal instruction from God saying, you have to do this. Like, if you don't do this, you are obeying or disobeying a supreme command of, of the universe. And there was just no doubt that I was going to do it. So wow. that kind of started me on, on my journey. And then, um, yeah, pilgrimage is it's something that is just so like ingrained in my DNA now that I 
have a hard time getting through a day without thinking about it in, in some context. Yeah, I, well, I'm exactly the same. I think about it all the time. Do, do you see a similar quality in those you met or meet on the Camino? Do you think that the Camino attracts a certain type of person, Jackie? No, I do. Um, you know, I mean, I know, you know, I, I've read, you know, many posts on different Facebook groups and forums about why people do the Camino. And there are certainly the number of people that do them for, you know, slow tourism or, um, you know, celebrating a, a transition in life. But it really seemed in my experience that the majority of people that I came across were walking the Camino because they were, they were struggling with something. They were wrestling with a matter of the heart or um, trying to make sense of something, trying to get clarity, trying to let go, trying to get direction. Um, certainly, I would say the majority of the Camino family that I met were all in some type of heart quest, trying to settle something in their mind and in their heart. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it, actually, trying to settle something in their mind and in their heart. Walking's a good way of doing it, isn't it? Stretching oh, out. absolutely. And the rhythm yeah. and everything, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah you, there's, you, a, there's a tattoo that I've been thought, <laughs> I thought about getting, um, and it's, uh, it's a Salvatore Ambulando. It is solved by walking. And I believe that's true. I think we get so many new perspectives um, by just moving our feet. I, I find that, you know, when I, even when I go for a long walk since I've been home, it's about the two-hour long mark when I start to get, you know, some fresh ideas or creative problem-solving um, sparks that start to fly around my brain. So yeah. I think there is a connection between your brain and your mind, or I'm sorry, your feet and your your mind yeah 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 and finding space and time gives you mind space and time did you find yourself whiling away long afternoons talking with other pilgrims and trying to save the problems of the world <laughs> um while i was on the camino or after i got home when you when you were on the camino those long afternoons oh gosh you know um i'm one of those people that um i did not kind of take the typical approach to walking, you know, like a lot of people would be up at 5 a.m., they'd be out of the albergue, and they would be done by, you know, lunchtime or one o'clock. Um, I was one of those people that, you know, would let them all rush out the door, you know, then I'd take my time and have the bathroom to myself and have a kind of a leisurely, you know, breakfast. And and um, I took a lot, so many pictures along the way, um, stopping for second breakfast. I didn't make very good time in the morning. So <laughs> I, and I didn't ever want to um, hold anyone back by, you know, ex expecting them to walk at the, you know, the pace I was with, you know, my frequent stops to, you know, look and journal and go into churches and everything. So often I would end up, you know, walking through the afternoon and not even arriving until, you know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon. But, um, yeah, certainly there was a lot of conversation about, you know, solving problems and, you know, solving each other's problems or, or giving each other insights into things. And that was actually one of the, the biggest blessings on the first two weeks, probably, of the Camino, um, you know, in how I was processing some of the issues related to um, 
some problems I was having with my son at that time. Um, I swear every day I met someone that had a perspective or an insight or some advice that was so perfect and meaningful that I needed to hear exactly that day. Wow. Do you think you, you walking was, how can I put it, sort of spiritually you were asking for, the, for that help? You, you, somehow the universe was telling other people, Jackie needs a hand. Jackie needs some advice. Say something that she wants to hear. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, and I, the image that I had in my mind after it, it happened um, a number of times, I mean, at first you're like, okay, this is just a strange coincidence, you know, and I, I wasn't a real familiar personally with, you know, the whole concept of communal magic and the community gives you what you need yeah. and not necessarily what you want. But it, after a while, it started to feel like um, I could imagine like God was looking on the Camino and it was like a big chessboard <laughs> or, you know, and God was moving people around um, so they would meet each other. And because those two people had something the other person needed to hear. And it was just so mind blowing to me that, you know, I would meet someone, either a parent that was going through a similar situation or they had been through it already and they could kind of explain to me or give me encouragement about it'll get better. Or I met a young man who was maybe five or 10 years older than my son was at the time who would give me some perspective on what he had been like at that age. And maybe this is what he's thinking or what he's going through. This is how you can help him. This is how you might be um, frustrating him or, or whatever it was. But every day for like the first couple of weeks, I, it was just crazy how I kept running into people that told me something I needed to hear that day. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. You know, um, when you said that you get up late, that you sort of, you know, wild away the day in, in your own time, did you have a plan? Did you know where you're a spreadsheet pilgrim? Did you know where you were going to stay? <laughs> Um, so that's, um, it's kind of a yes and no question. I was a little bit of a spreadsheet pilgrim in the very beginning because, um, a a good friend of mine from the, the Minnesota, um, American Pilgrims of the Camino Association has suggested that I make reservations for the first three nights because that's kind of a bottleneck from St. Jean, um, and Orison and, um, Francis Faiz. Uh-huh. And so I, I did make reservations those three nights. And then after that, um, you know, and I was there in June and July of 2019 when it was fairly busy, but I started to not worry so much about where I was going to stay. Um, I never had a problem finding a place. And I the only thing that I struggled with a little bit, and it's kind of my personality that I'm, I'm trying to, you know, evolve through is my um, issue of um, FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. <laughs> and I had read, I had read and done research on, you know, what were some of the really fabulous um, towns to visit and what were some of the really special albergues to stay at that were really spiritually meaningful. And some of those I really wanted to make sure that I made it to. And so there was a, you know, every once in a while I would kind of arrange my day to make sure I made it to 
you know, a handful of those places, but I would say probably 75% of the time, um, I just would wing it. And as each day went by, I began to have more trust that I would land where I was supposed to be again, not where I thought I needed to be or, you know, where my ego, you know, wanted to be or had you know, thought it needed to be. So, yeah. um, and it always turned out even better than I could have planned. Oh, wow. Hey, so let's take a step back then. Um, from the moment that you found the way, um, still wrapped in plastic and amongst all of your other DVDs, to, the t- to you arriving on the Camino, how long was that? What was that timeline? Uh, it, so I had found the, the DVD in January of 2018, and I... Flew out of the Minneapolis airport the next year in May. So okay. it was uh, end of May of 2019. So about a year and a half. Okay, so a year and a half. Now, you mentioned earlier that you've always been very active and a great outdoors sort of person. So did you, in that 18 months, do a lot of training? Did you arrive in Spain super fit and raring, ready and raring to go? Um, you know, I, I'm one of those people, well, I... I Prior to going on the Camino, I was um, a fitness instructor. Um, I taught spinning classes and some weightlifting classes. So I was pretty strong and and cardiovascularly fit. Uh, Not necessarily, you know, specifically for backpacking long distances. Um, I did do, you know, a few, like a handful, I would say, of three to four hour long hikes with my backpack um, to kind of get my feet and my back used to it. But um, probably not as much training as I could have done. Um, I have this uh, oh attitude about life sometimes that gets me in trouble. Like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and I just go for it. <laughs> well, what do you mean? How can that get you in trouble? Isn't that the whole point? Well, you know, usually it turns out fine. Yeah. And so I just, I just keep getting reinforced that it's going to be fine, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. most of the time I haven't had any, any big problems with going through that approach <laughs> through life. <laughs> Well, what is the worst that can happen? I don't know. What is the worst? Um, let's, uh, let's go back to Spain. What's the one word that you would use to describe your pilgrimage? Gosh, you know, when I arrived, I hadn't really thought about that um, before I left. I, I knew what some of the emotions that were in my heart um, leading up to making the decision to go. Yeah. But when I arrived in St. Jean and I, I stayed at um, the Bellari, uh, which is a, a pretty special albergue in, in St. Jean, they asked us uh, when we were going around the table at the communal meal, what was the theme of our Camino? And they asked us to give them three words. And I, I don't remember exactly all three, but one of the biggest ones um, I remember was surrender and and then also acceptance, um, because I'm one of those people that has always had the approach to life that if I just work hard enough and if I do everything the right way and not give up, it'll eventually turn out the way I want it to. And um, this experience, you know, parenting a challenging kid really turned my world upside down in um, from that whole worldview. And so... I needed to come to a place where I could surrender and, and accept what was because everything I had tried up to that point was was not turning into the outcome that I was hoping for. 
Oh, Jackie, what you just said then res- is resonating with me right now so much. I can't <laughs> believe it. Holy smokes. I've been waiting for somebody or wanting someone to put it into words and you just did. Wow. That's yeah. re- that's a really very, very special thing you just said then. Mm. Um, it, how, it's tough. It is tough. How do you explain to people the impact the Camino has had on your life? Oh, wow. Um, it is people that follow my, my Camino Facebook page, you know, are pretty aware of that because I, I mean, even though it's been 15 months since I've been back, I still am posting memories from the Camino or I'll uh, write a reflection or whatever themes coming to my mind that day that brings me back to the Camino. So a lot of people understand what's going on in my mind and heart and how it impacted me from that perspective. Um, you know, my, a lot of my, but ironically, a lot of my closer family and friends, um, I don't think really get it. You know, um, I think they watched my progress and read my post while I was there, but there wasn't a lot of like follow-up when I got home. And that's kind of a tough, I mean, I I know lots and lots of pilgrims go through that when you get back home, that you've had this powerful world shaking experience and you don't know have anybody to talk about it with. <laughs> yeah. And there's nobody that really can get it. I mean, they kind of are respectful and polite and, and listen to you blather on about, you know, this story and that story and how amazing it was, but they don't really get it. Um, so that, that was kind of hard. Um, and they don't really know how to, and, and even I sometimes don't even know how to fit back into the world that I came from, because I feel like the Camino almost fundamentally changes your DNA somehow. I, I feel like I came back just different in, you know, mind, body, spirit, and it's a bit of a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. And I don't think my family knew what to do with me <laughs> when I got back because I was, you know, um, just very, I was a little bit distant because I felt a little lonely. I didn't have anyone to share those experiences with. And I continued probably to stay on the Facebook pages and continued to be addicted to podcasts and documentaries and YouTube (laughs) videos. So um, it's a hard thing to explain for people that have never done it before. Yeah, but I I can hear you and I reflect often on on my journey and it's very similar in, in many respects. It's very difficult sometimes just to say to yourself, uh, you know, I've got to try to apply everything I learned um, and then nobody around you is applying the same principles <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, you know, what's that? You do, I, you're very much an island there. But, but the Camino can be a good mind um, declutterer, if there's such a word, but that's why we feel the need to get back from time to time because we soon start to collect unwanted and unnecessary thoughts, but that's why we need to get back to shed them, don't we? Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons I think people are, or they become so at peace when they're on the Camino, um, you know, at, at one point, um, you know, someone before I left was not a very helpful comment, but had said something, oh, must be nice to run away from your problems. Um, and, you know, that kind of like, uh, was like a thorn in my side for a while. I kept thinking about that. And as the Camino went on, 
I started to think about, you know, it's not running away from your problems. It is giving yourself time and space and for maybe the first time in your life, just time to love on yourself. Um, You know, we give to other people so much, especially when you're a parent, you just, you give and you sacrifice and you don't take time for yourself. And the Camino gives you that space to, you know, sleep as long as you want to sleep, to walk and eat good, eat uh, great food and, and to nurture your spirit, whether that means going into a church or talking to God as you're walking or communing with nature, whatever that means to you. Um, it just brings it all together to a place where you can just kind of exhale, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And you, besides, anybody who's ever been through what you've been through, Jackie, knows you can't run away from it anyway. Absolutely. You it's know, crazy to you, think of it as something that you can run away from. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we can try to um, fix, we can try to ignore, yeah, we can yeah. try to, um, you know, get around it. But, you know, eventually there are some things in life that all you can do is, is surrender and accept what is. Yeah. And that is like by far the biggest gift. Yeah. of the Camino to me. Yeah. Hey, you work in the healthcare system, don't you? I do. I'm a nurse. Yeah. So how have you managed with the COVID crisis? You you, you must be frontline, are you? Uh, yeah, I am. Um, normally my position, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cardiac nurse, um, oh. most recently in cardiac rehab, taking care of people and helping them to recover and exercise and learn good nutrition and everything after they've had a heart attack or heart surgery. But uh, when COVID hit hard in March, our department was closed down for a period of time. And um, I was on furlough, which was very bizarre as a, as a nurse during a world pandemic to not have a job. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, that was the situation for a while. And then um, in June, I was called back to work. And since then, I've been working either um, at the entrance to the emergency room to screen people for their temperatures and symptoms and ask if they have a mask or anything. And then my most recent transition is to being the person that actually does the COVID testing. Oh. So I, I'm, not, I'm not people's favorite nurse because I have to kind of put them through an uncomfortable procedure by inserting a long stick up their nose. <laughs> it is pretty full on. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It is intense. I mean, people, um, you know, most of them are pretty polite and and uh, but there are, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough for the kids. Um, you know, they don't get what's going on. And it's I've had some days where I come home pretty emotional because, uh, you know, I made a lot of kids cry that day. And it, that's been hard. Yeah, it doesn't seem like going away anytime soon, does it? No, they they say that, you know, we could be in these um, roles, um, you know, for several months yet. So, uh, yeah. 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 That's another problem that we can't run away from. I'm a bit of a social media stalker when I do my research. <laughs> I, I saw two of your posts and I want to talk to you about them. And in fact, okay. the, the easiest way might be for me to just say them, to read them, and then you can comment. How about this? The first one, whatever makes your soul happy, do that. 
Yeah, that, oh, I, I love that one. Um, it is an inspiration to me. It is uh, a motto that I am working toward. I, I don't always achieve that um, as smoothly as I would like to, but it is something that I aspire to. And, um, you know, you get to a certain age, I think, you know, I, I'm 52. And so you start thinking about where have I been? Where am I going? Am I living an authentic life? You know, that is, that resonates with what my heart and my soul is saying is that what my actions are, you know, parallel or congruent with. And, you know, sometimes it's not, and it's a process of, you know, micro adjustments, you know, to try to get more in sync, you know, with what your soul wants. But, uh, you know, it's something I'm working on. Yeah. There's another one there. Um, it says, come away with me for a while and walk. And it's attributed to God. Oh, yeah. And that's that was the Camino for me. I, I felt, even though most of the time during the day, I really tried to walk alone. That was my goal uh, because I just had so much to process um, emotionally, um, spiritually, you know, from some of the experiences that I'd had to that point that I felt, um, I needed to be on my own to have these conversations with God, but I never, um, you know, I walked alone. I never felt alone. I felt like God was always like right there with me, kind of like that, that poem you've probably seen about the footprints poem. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you only see one set of pr- footprints, it was then that I carried you. Yeah. And that's, I felt that a lot. I felt a very close presence to God. I felt there was, you know, just a, almost a palpable connection, you know, that I could reach out and touch more than I ever I had any time in my life prior to that. And I don't know if that's because, you know, the Camino is in one of those um, areas that is considered a thin space or, you know, where the space between heaven and, and earth is very small and yeah. you feel the connection to the divine a lot closer. Or if I was just tuned in a lot more and giving a lot more of my direct attention and um, awareness to my communion with the divine at that time. And putting a lot of trust in God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that, every day that grew more and more. I quit trying to um, plan the day. I quit trying to, I quit worrying about, oh my gosh, I had a great conversation with this person you know, what if I never see them again? And I'm a very loyal person that hates to let anybody go. I always want to maintain connection. You know, I've got friends that go back to like when I was three years old still yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I just, I hate to let go. And after a while, as the days kept going by um, and inadvertently it happens, I mean, either they are going to walk faster than you or slower than you, or they're going to stay for a couple of days or, you know, whatever the situation is, you learn to say goodbye a lot on the Camino. And at first that was very hard for me, but as time went by, it just became something I was able to accept a lot more easily because if I was meant to see them again, I would, and I did. And that was, you know, one of those Camino magic experiences that, uh, reinforced that concept all the time that, 
you know, gosh, I guess I wasn't, that conversation wasn't done yet because mm-hmm. here that person is, you know, three days later, I didn't think I'd ever run into them again. And there they are. So we clearly have more business. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I, I loved a, a question that you posed on Facebook. Uh, what you did as a child to pass the time reflects your earthly pursuit. You wrote, I, li- I like to arrange field trips for the neighborhood kids, <laughs> walking to a park across town. I even made up permission slips. I was already a traveler looking, <laughs> looking to lead adventures. And you're going, yeah. back, you're going backpacking tomorrow. I am. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've, and you mentioned their friendships since you were three years old. Do you often cast your mind back to your childhood and, and do you remember it fondly and do you carry that part of you um, with great joy? as you continue your journey? Uh, you know, there are, um, that's an interesting question. Um, I think so many of the experiences that I had as a child, and and this is true, I'm sure for everyone really formed, um, the, the ideas, the passions, the goals that I had growing up. You know, I was a kid that had the fortune of being able to go camping with my family a number of times, you know, growing up. And where I'm going this coming weekend is up to uh, northern Wisconsin near Lake Superior. And I'd done that quite a lot as a kid. And that's probably my second, you know, gosh, if I had to compare that in the Camino, the Camino probably be number one, but Lake Superior um, and the the, nor- the shore along there is also a very uh, special place that would be, you know, right up there as far as almost a thin space where you feel a big connection to, to God and wow. to being um, more, more so than anywhere else. But yeah, I think, you know, the experiences that you have as a child um, really do um, kind of point your arrow in the direction of, of where you might go as an adult, at least mm. of what your passions are. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think we talk ourselves out of those things because they're not practical or they're not going to make you money or, you know, whatever the reason is. But in the end, you know, it kind of, they keep coming back that, that idea, that passion, um, it doesn't let itself go if it's something that you're meant to do. And when I, you know, I look at all the things that I've liked to do throughout my life from, childhood and, and making those permission slips for the neighborhood kids to go on field trips across town, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> to, to camping and roughing it, to um, having a, a college minor in outdoor education, to being a nurse um, that takes care of people's hearts. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of keep going in that same direction. And that's kind of where I wonder what my next step will be uh, is in terms of some type of um, vocation or, or calling is to take people on the Camino that are struggling with maybe depression or anxiety or some emotional issue, because I have seen how powerful it can be. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That would have a great intention. And, and I love that imagery to the mental and the physical imagery of the, the arrow from childhood coursing off into the distance of adulthood. That's fantastic. I want to go back briefly to the Camino because if you have listened to this podcast for all of those years while doing your research, you'll know that I like to give some advice from time to time on my guests to give some advice. Did you walk with poles? I do, yes. I um, I walked with them so much and so hard that I had to replace the, the rubber tips twice. Wow. <laughs> along the way. So 
um, yeah, I highly recommend poles. Um, you know, there were a few days when I, you know, thought, well, I'm just going to try to walk without them to see how that felt. And, um, you know, it, it made a difference on my, my knees and on my feet. Um, it definitely makes it easier to have those poles, especially when you're walking down some of those treacherous routes coming down um, into Zubiri yeah. or coming down from Osabrero. Um, you know, there's just a, <laughs> some really yeah. kind of, uh, I wouldn't call them dangerous necessarily, but big loose rocks that those poles really made a big difference. So I was, yeah. I was glad I had them and I couldn't leave them behind and I couldn't put them on my carry-on. So, you know, I paid the extra money and I shipped them home because they were like a, like a set of friends that I brought along. <laughs> did, did you train with them or did you pick them up in Spain? I picked them up in Spain. That right. was uh, some advice I had heard somewhere along the way. Um, they were very inexpensive in St. Jean. I think it was like 15 euro for the pair. Um, it cost me like 30 euro to send them home. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I definitely bring recommend them and I'm bringing them along um, this weekend for my little backpacking trip as well. Fantastic. Um, did you get blisters? Not too many. Um, I was very um, diligent about taking care of my feet every day. Um, I would start the morning with, um, I put, I didn't do the Vaseline. I put uh, like, a, like a gold bomb powder, kind of like a drying powder on my feet to keep my feet from getting sweaty because I know that the sweat increases friction and increases blisters. Um, also before I had left for the Camino, I had, when I was doing my practice hikes at home, I learned where on my feet were likely to get hot spots. And so kind of as a, uh, preventive measure, I would put tape on those spots on my feet in the morning on the Camino before I even started out. And so that really prevented them for the most part. Um, I also, um, especially, um, in the first couple weeks of the Camino, whenever I came across the river Arga, there yeah. were often places to stop and dunk your feet and um, let them rest and cool down. And I would do that at least once a day, sometimes twice a day while I was having lunch or journaling or, you know, whatever I was doing. So I did probably get, um, there was one blister on my way to, um, I think it was, was it Siruena, that town that's kind of the ghost town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, walking with someone and we were trying to get there before it was dark and we were just pushing hard up this hill and I felt it coming, but it's like, I'm not stopping. And <laughs> that, that blister kind of uh, held on for, you know, <laughs> the rest of the Camino, but nothing ever so bad that it ever stopped me from walking the next day. And did you, and the shoes that you walked in, had you had them for months or years before you left? No, I bought them, um, probably maybe three months before I went on the Camino and wore them to work every day, um, oh. just to kind of, you know, make sure they were comfortable. And I wore them on my training walks. And, um, ever since, since I've been home, I've just put it in some new insoles for a little more cushion and I'm still wearing them quite a bit. So they're, right. they're great shoes. Well, shoes must be really important to a nurse because you're always on your feet. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, even with good shoes though, you know, one thing I did learn about the Camino um, is it, it matters how heavy your backpack is. <laughs> um, and I was one of those people that um, rookie mistake, I packed too much weight, um, different things that I thought I might need. 
uh, as a nurse, actually, my one of my goals in the Camino, I wanted to be a Camino angel to people. I wanted to take care of their feet, actually. And so I had packed, um, you know, all this, oh, I, like this, this collapsible tub that you could fill with water, not knowing that every albergue had those already. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I packed that along with like bath salts and, and like special ointments and, you know, a first aid kit. And um, I wanted to be able to care, take care of people's feet. And there were maybe three or four times when, you know, I was able to do that. And that really uh, brought me a lot of happiness. But um, yeah, just by carrying too much though in my pack, I learned that that really exhausted my own feet. Um, It wasn't my back that bothered me with a lot of weight in my pack. It was my feet that just, the the bones ached in my feet from just having too much on my pack. So learned that lesson to not carry so much did you then? Did you throw stuff out? Did you? Were, how far into the walk were you when you res, decided to make the pack lighter, or did you not? Make I it did. Light? Yeah, I, I think um, it wasn't right away. Um, I, I think it was like around Grand uh-huh. that I left quite a bit behind. Right. I left um, a, a shirt and a pair of socks and that tub and. I don't know, three or four more things. And <laughs> you learn that you don't need much. No, you, know, when you don't. You're the, you know. and, there's, and everything's available anyway. Absolutely. You, you know, if the little tiny town you're in doesn't have it, then, then you'll arrive somewhere the following morning, first thing that will have it. Um, no right. matter what you need. Yep. Yeah. 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 What's the one thing you miss most about the Camino? Oh gosh, besides the cafe con leche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I miss that a lot. Um, you know, I just, I miss the rhythm of the day. I miss the simplicity of the day and, mm. um, you know, just kind of the, the, sim- the, the simple rhythm of, of getting up and walking and having coffee and then walking and, you know, seeing who God was going to bring into my path that day that either I might be able to help or they might be able to help me. Um, you know, just the, the freedom and the peace, you know, that's something that you just don't get on a regular day. Um, when you're back in your, your normal nine to five life back at home. Mm. Yeah, that's for sure. What's one thing you don't miss about the Camino? Um, I don't miss the, <laughs> the, the, the bathrooms where the lights would shut off when you're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that, that would happen a few times, you know, even at like some of the restaurants, you'd be in there and all of a sudden it would be pitch black and you can't <laughs> find the light switch. I've totally forgotten about that. That is so funny. And you oh can't gosh. find the lights, which you don't realize. And then all of a sudden the light, that is so funny. I totally oh, forgot about that. Oh, it happened in Pamplona. I was at a nicer restaurant and I think it took, it took me five minutes to find my way out. <laughs> that is really funny. I'd forgotten oh, all about but... that. And the showers do it too. The showers that turn off after two seconds. Oh, yeah. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. So annoying. Um, that's really funny. What's what's one thing you would say to someone thinking of walking? Gosh, you know, if people are listening to this podcast that have not already done a Camino, they they are already there. I mean, it's just a matter of buying the ticket and physically getting yourself over there. You're 
your mind and your heart is already started on that journey. So just make it official, buy your ticket, you know, as soon as we're allowed to, of course. Um, but, but get yourself over there because um, if you're listening to this, you know, you're being called, you know, you, the Camino calls you and it is the best answer that you can ever give to accept and say yes. Mm, how fantastic. What about one piece of advice, something that you've picked up, a little, a little something special for someone listening who's heading to the Camino? Oh, gosh. I would say um, just keep an open mind to whatever might happen. Try not to, uh, and this was, I guess, my own advice that I had to learn myself, was and to not try to manage every day, not try to have a specific expectation about what's going to happen. Um, you know, I'm not saying that don't read about the Camino before you go, because I think there is a lot of value in reading in advance. Um, there was a book that I read called The Art of Pilgrimage, Making Travel Sacred. Mm. And in it's a wonderful book, but in that book, it actually um, explains the the wonderful soul work that you can do as you're preparing to go. You're getting your mind and your heart ready to receive whatever gifts are going to show up. And so, you know, don't feel like it's a character flaw if you'd like to be a spreadsheet pilgrim, you know, because that might be just preparing you for something that um, is going to be a tremendous gift. So, but at the same time, don't, get upset if it doesn't turn out the way you expect because the alternative is going to be even better. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So Jackie, tell us a Camino story. Oh goodness. Just one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Camino story. So the one that um, has been kind of rattling around in my mind, I guess is, um, you know, trusting that the Camino will provide, um, is, is the, the theme of the story, I guess. Um, I was in the, the last leg from Saria going forward. I don't remember exactly what day it was towards the end there, but, um, I, I was undecided where I was going to stay that night. I just, you know, had no idea what I wanted to do. I was getting a little bit low on money and whatever town I was in, um, you know, there was a church that I went into and I was in the habit of giving like a, a one year old coin as a, as a donation, um, you know, at the, at the church for when I would get a stamp in my credential. And I would also do a little like one euro donation. Um, if someone was like playing music on the side of the road, just to kind of support what they were doing or someone that was had their hat out, you know, looking for, yeah. you know, a little money. Um, I know not everyone thinks that's a good idea to support that, but I kind of taught my, or I believe that it's not for me to decide if someone's legitimate or not. I'm just going to yeah. trust that God can sort all that out. Anyway, um, in this town, I, where I normally, you know, would give a one-year-old coin for all these things. All I had were the two-year-old coins left in my little wallet. And I was feeling a little bit 
closed fisted about, I'm like, oh gosh, that's, that's more than I usually do for these kind of things. Hmm. And I'm kind of getting low on cash and I don't know where I'm going to stay tonight and if they'll take a credit card or if I'm going to have to use cash or, you know, how's this all going to work out. And I just felt this, um, I guess a stirring in my soul to trust and, and to just open my hand, you know, kind of, and that's what the Camino shell uh, symbolizes to me is an open hand of generosity. Huh. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put the two Euro coins in those plates and in those cups. And I did it and I kept walking on, um, through the, through the day I was, uh, going to eventually stay at this, um, albergue that was like off, like a couple, like 5k off the beaten track. And it was, promoted to be like this wonderful place where the host did this like five course meal and it was going to be awesome. And I get all the way out there to find out that it's closed down um. <laughs> and it's getting late in the day. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, where, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? It's kind of a woodsy area. It's starting to rain a little bit by now. It's getting to be you know, five or 6 PM. I don't know for sure, you know, where I'm going to find somewhere to stay. And, uh, kept walking, kept walking for another hour or two. And, um, before long, um, uh, a European, uh, pilgrim from Germany, his name's Oliver. He's kind of a, a bit of a Camino legend. He's been like walking the Camino for like 10 years, apparently. Wow. He'd be an interesting person to talk to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, we started chatting and he said, Oh, I know somewhere that, that we'll be able to stay. And, so we keep walking and then another couple pilgrims, you know, hook up with us and, you know, so the, the three or four of us are walking and we get to this albergue. It's called Heidi's and she's a, a German um, pilgrim who had walked the Camino, you know, sometime years before and had decided to open up, you know, her own albergue as a way to give back. So we got there and she said, oh, I'm sorry, we're not going to be open tonight. I cleaned the whole place. No one had called ahead to reserve. And so I'm like, oh no, it's like eight o'clock at night. Now where am I going to go? I don't really have very much money anyway. And what's going to happen? And Oliver, um, in his um, pilgrim uh, work of you know walking back and forth for ten years on the Camino, does a lot of odd jobs um, to kind of finance his pilgrimages. And one thing that he had done is he would worked for Heidi, um, doing yard work or maintenance or whatever it was. And so when he came around the corner and she saw him, she's like, Oliver, <laughs> you know, oh, of course you and your friends can stay. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And so we, we go in and um, it's this lovely, um, you know, beautiful German albergue with like down blankets and a beautiful kitchen. And, you know, all of us, you know, brought food out of our pack and had this little picnic. And then uh-huh. what was even kind of to bring the story full circle um, I, she said that she would come around later to stamp our, our credentials and to collect the money. And it had been, you know, maybe an hour or two. And I asked, um, Oliver, is she going to, you know, coming back or what? And he said, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. She said that, um, it was on her tonight that she wasn't going to charge us. <laughs> and so the Camino provided, I had kind of given away my money earlier the day at the, at the church and to the musician and, you know, to the person that was needing money Fantastic. and I didn't have anything left. And then I didn't need to pay for my uh, lodgings that night. Um, so That's it was just great. a, 
Yeah. That's yeah. a great That's- story. That's fantastic. You know, I could talk to you all day. I, 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 you and I bounced back and forth because of, we, I guess, kind of like a kindred spiritual connection with our children. Yeah. Um, we've both been through pretty difficult times. Um, but the Camino has given both of us a form of respite um, and a form of uh, assurance. And family can be such a difficult challenge, but I think, Jackie, my quote this week probably offers us both the most comfort and buoyancy. Wheresoever you go, go with all your heart. Mm. Thanks so much for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, Dan, it's been a delight. I've enjoyed this so much. And thank you. Thank you and all the health workers, too, across the planet for the work you're doing, keeping us all safe. It's, oh, thank you. We're, we're all just trying to do whatever we can to move this thing forward and hopefully get a return to, uh, you know, the, the life that we used to know and get us all back to the Camino. There's yeah. a lot of soul work for a lot of us to keep doing. Here I yet. know. I was talking to a pilgrim <laughs> here in Sydney yesterday. She came to a show I did and she said, uh, isn't it terrible, you know, there's only two countries in the world where you're not allowed to leave your borders and that's Australia and India. Mm. We're not allowed oh. we're not allowed out of Australia. We're not allowed wow. out at all. And they're now talking about it being the fourth quarter of 2021 before we can even leave Australia. Oh my gosh. So that's that's a tough thing to hear. Yeah, there's a lot of pilgrims in Australia with Oh, with I know. Desperate to yeah, get Yeah, some of my favorites, my favorite some of my favorite pilgrims are from Australia. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I, they, I know they're really having a hard time with uh, hearing that kind of news too. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I just want you to know that uh, being a kindred spirit in somebody who's had similar challenges to you, uh, I, I wish you all the best and I hope for you all the best. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, Jackie. And I look forward to the day when we catch up in person too. I'm, I'm oh, certain that day is not that far away. I would love that. And all the best to you with, with your journey too, with your, with your family. It's a, it's a tough thing, but, you know, we'll, we'll all get through it. We'll all get through it. That's right. Wheresoever you go, go with all your heart. Thanks, Jackie. Amen, brother. Buen Camino. Right. Buen Camino to you too. My guest this week is the American pilgrim Jackie Rubendahl Brookett. My quote this week is attributed to the Chinese philosopher Confucius, wheresoever you go, go with all your heart. Walk on pilgrims, keep working on the body, mind and spirit. Keep dreaming of broad horizons, long afternoons, Spanish sunsets and sunrises. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino.
Palm of my 